You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. If you have a Bible with you, I'd love it if you could turn to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. I feel very excited about this passage. I'm going to jump straight in. Luke 17, and I'm going to read some verses 11 to 19. Verse 11 to 19 of Luke 17. It says in my Bible, 10 healed of leprosy. This is talking about Jesus. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're so often keener to speak to us, to engage with us, than we are to pause and to give you time. This morning, as we finish this year, as we're just about to launch into 2018, we want to take these moments to pause. We want to take these moments to pause and to say, thank you. Thank you for who you are and all you've done in 2017. And we want to go forward trusting you next year. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know what you've been doing for the last few days. As a child, one of the activities I always had to do between Christmas and New Year was write my thank you letters. I used to get given presents from uncles and aunts that I I didn't see at Christmas. And so then, you know, when I was a boy, that was it. My mum used to sit me down at the dining room table. She'd write the letter and I had to copy it out in my best handwriting. After the third one, I used to think, I wish I didn't get these presents. I just hate writing thank you letters. So much so that when my kids were small, I said to them, you don't have to write a letter. You've got to phone them. So we used to have the little tradition between Christmas and New Year that you'd have to phone the uncles and aunts that you hadn't seen, but had sent you a present just to say thank you. I wonder how good you are at saying thank you. I wonder how you like people saying thank you to you. This passage, I love, I tell you. I, I mean, sometimes you have favorite bits of the Bible, and when I thought, oh, this is the one, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to pick a favorite. For me, this is a favorite. There are so many things I get excited about when I look at this passage. 
I think the power lies in Jesus and it doesn't lie in us. That excites me. I, I don't go into 2018 thinking, come on, I can do it. I go in thinking, what could he do? What I love about this is the fact that they cried out, Master. Why? Because Master says something of anticipation and excitement. I don't know quite what's happening next year, but I want to go forward saying, Master. I love it from this passage. I love the fact that they cry for mercy. They don't cry for what they deserve. We come before a God who doesn't treat us as we deserve. Oh, I love that. You know what I'm saying? I love it for the fact that even when they'd probably given up hope, they didn't ask for healing, but God was still able to do something. I love that because I come to a God that sometimes I can think, I've given up hope. I don't know if he could still do this. I don't know if he's still going to answer that. But actually something could happen. I love this story because that when people reach out, Jesus can't help but respond. And so when I go forward in 2018, I think, you know, if I reach out, Jesus, it's almost like he cannot help but respond. I love the fact that Jesus is so powerful that he heals from a distance. They shouted at him. We think it was 50 yards away. So we think it could well have been right across. It wasn't like, Jesus! They, they, no, they never touched him. They, they, were, they were a long way away. There was a, there was a crowd around Jesus. Jesus didn't walk anywhere on his own. They were shouting, Jesus, look, we're right over here. And at a distance, Jesus could do anything. There is power in Jesus. I love the fact that Samaritans and, we believe, Jews, the diversity of this. But you know what I really find challenging about this passage? The one that said thank you. The one that said thank you. Let's just take a moment to look at this. If you had leprosy in the Bible... You were considered unclean. Literally, they had a bell and they used to ring it, unclean, unclean. That's why they were so far from Jesus. It says in Leviticus chapter 13, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone they must live outside of the camp. So what do we discover about this? We discover all these people had leprosy. There was 10. All were afflicted. They all had to stay, as I say, 50 paces away. All wanted to do something about it. All of them had heard about Jesus. All of them appealed to Jesus. All of them obeyed God when he said, Go! All are healed. All, all, all. Let me just declare, this is not a sermon about authority over leprosy. Because if you've read the book of Luke, you know that in chapter 5, Jesus has already healed leprosy. It's not just a repeat prescription here. What do we learn from this passage? One man returns, literally praising God. That's the same language that was used of the shepherds last week. They praised God, it says. It says in Luke that he fell at his feet. It's used ten times in the book of Luke, that phrase. And it's a sense of adoring and worshipping this incredible Lord and Master. What makes you... 
so excited you can't stand? What makes you so excited you're shouting out for joy? Because that is what happened. I guess we've just heard a clean bill of health. All debts paid. Jesus then asked these three questions. Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? The one who returned was the one they would least expect. I would say in this passage, Jesus is grieved by their lack of gratitude. I don't, don't you find it fascinating? I was just thinking about the story, just trying to mull over it. I've been thinking about it so much this week. Where were they when they asked for something? 50 paces away. You see, we can ask for things from Jesus at a long way away. Hey, Jesus, please, 2018. You ask for a long way, and when you get it, what happens? You run away. When did they get close to Jesus? When they came back to say thank you. You see, nine shouted at a distance, Jesus got what they want and ran off. But the one full of gratitude, suddenly he's no longer 50 paces away. Suddenly he's no longer shouting across the street. Suddenly he's right at the very feet of Jesus. You see, gratitude brought him close to Jesus. Our challenge, even as Christians, is we can shout from a distance, say, Jesus, I need this. Jesus, I'm desperate. You see, the other nine lepers were not less cured. They were just less grateful. I think the danger is, if you're a Christian here today, the danger is that we approach God with a sense of entitlement. I'm the son of the king. I'm a good Christian. And yet we find this grateful leper. He was a foreigner. He'd been diseased. But he was profoundly grateful. I mean, the the more you look at it, and I've got to keep short this morning, so I'm not going to take long. His sight led to inner insight. It was when he saw that he'd been healed, Jesus said, go, go show yourself. Jesus didn't touch him. It wasn't one of these where Jesus spat upon him or touched him or got close. Jesus said, just go. It goes. And as he goes, he sees... Hang on, I'm healed. And so his sight gave him an insight. He's, wow, Jesus, you're incredible. I come running back. Do we stop and look at what God has done for us? And does that give us an insight into who he is? Or are we so busy running away? Wow, wow, wow. You see, his insight led him to come back. Many commentators have said this. Commentators, wise people that write books on books of the Bible, that what happened is that literally when he came and threw himself at the feet of Jesus, he was on the floor. And the words used are get up or resurrected. And so what they're actually thinking is that he, went to, he came to Jesus physically healed. He got up spiritually forgiven. And that actually it was no longer, oh, well, I've just got this miracle from Jesus. But actually I've come and I now know him personally. And so that actually what happened is that the gratitude has opened even more blessing for this one leper. 
and that maybe the other nine had gone away and actually they were clean, which meant they could now live in the camp and they could be with their family. But this one, because of gratitude, had now come to know Jesus personally. That's what gratitude does. William Arthur Ward, he was an American writer, he says this, God gave you the gift of 86,400 seconds today. Have you used one to say thank you? It was a huge thing. It's a huge challenge, isn't it? Because the Bible provokes us again and again. We are to be a people that say thank you. In Psalm 9, it says this, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name. That's what the psalmist said, isn't it? Come on. If we're believers, surely we've got to be a people who thank God for who he is. Chris read, didn't he, as part of our worship, Psalm 100. It says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. You know, basically, if, if we were to sort of act out as the Jews would have done, when you walk up the steps of the town hall, don't just say greetings to the nice person who's got a badge on and saying welcome. You should be saying, God, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. God, I want to thank you that I can come. You should open the doors and be singing in your heart. God, I'm so grateful for what you've done. That's, that's what the psalmist was saying. Literally come up the steps to Jerusalem. Come and approach the temple with thanks in your heart. I love it. Don't you? Psalm 103 says this. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord. Man alive. Come on. As we finish 2017, surely we want to be like that. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, says the same things, doesn't he? Always giving thanks to God for everything. Always giving thanks to the Father for everything. Always. I love that, don't you? Oh, what I would love is for people to think, you know what? They are so grateful to God. I, I, I want to be the one. I want to be the return of the leper. You know, I think, if I had finished my year, how could I think? I'd love to think I was the one that came running back. Jesus, I've got an insight into you. This, this is incredible. Thank you. <laughs> it doesn't seem enough, does it? It doesn't seem enough. You see, I think, boy, we were praying before the meeting, and I think it was Noble came up, you know, he, oh, I was challenged earlier this year about the attitude of gratitude. The reality, reality is your attitude of gratitude will determine your own happiness in 2018. Charles Spurgeon, who was nicknamed the Prince of Preachers, who was a Baptist preacher in London, said this, it's not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. You see, just by coming and saying thank you, that challenges your very heart, your very attitude. 
They always say, don't they, comparison is the enemy of joy. You compare to somebody else, and I don't know, their kids are better at sport, their kids are more academic, they can play better music. We always compare, and we feel dissatisfied. Or we can come and say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I thank you for the husband or the wife I have. I thank you for the children you've blessed me with. I thank you for the food that I've got to eat. I thank you for the job that I have. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was the German pastor and theologian in the Second World War that was actually hung by the Nazis with piano wire. He said, your attitude of gratitude determines your wealth. It is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. It's funny, isn't it? Because he wasn't talking about actually how much you can grab. He died in a prison, in a concentration camp. But actually, he would say, I am rich because I'm full of gratitude to God. The danger is we can go into 2018 and think, well, I could be rich if, if I get promotion or if I get extra money or if I've got a few thousand saved. I think our attitude to gratitude determines how rich we are. I think it should be something that challenges us every moment of every day. Rick Warren, the American pastor of Saddleback Church, says in happy moments, praise God. In difficult moments, seek God. In quiet moments, worship God. In painful moments, trust God. But in every moment, thank God. Surely that's what we're to be. Those that in every moment thank God. I would encourage us, will we be the Tim Keller says this, it's one thing to be grateful, it's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel, thanksgiving is what you, oh, think, oh come on, I want it to overflow. Okay, then gratitude's not enough, thanksgiving's got to be where I'm heading. How do I genuinely be one that thanks God? Now, it's a decision. It's as simple as that. It's a decision you make. Chuck Swindle, he's a Christian pastor, author, and educator, says this, gratitude is a decision of the will, and if a decision of the will, the choice resides squarely with us. Deciding to be thankful is no easy task. It takes work. I'm going to encourage you in 2018, will you make the decision to be grateful? What a great thing to decide, isn't it? Wouldn't it be wonderful to think, actually, I'm going to... I would love it if people thought, you know what? I love folk from Redeemer on the bus because they always say thank you to the bus driver. Just a little thing, but thanks flows out. Why? Because of what God has done. I would love it in 2018 if people thought, you know what? I really enjoy having this teacher in my school because they're just so grateful. Oh, because gratitude flows over them. Because they've understood all that Jesus has done for them. It cannot help. I'd love it if our neighbors thought, you know what? It's, it's not you just had a happy pill. But actually, gratitude just flows out of you. Why, why are you you're so great? You're so thankful. Some college student says, what is it about you? You're, just, you're so thankful for what you have. Why? Because we don't grab something from God and run off in the other direction. When we receive from him, we come back, we fall at his feet, and we just think, God, you are so good. You are so good to me. 
And surely, therefore, that, that would just overflow. I mean, that's going to overflow, isn't it? That's just going to come out. I would love us to be those, you know, Jesus says, wow, the one that comes back and says thank you. So at the end of 2017, I want us to say thank you, thank you, Father, for what you've done. And as we go forward in 2018, I want us to be grateful. And that's why we break bread together. I love it because this is a moment for us to say thank you, Jesus. You see, we're not just trying to polish ourselves up. We're not just, oh, come on, be a nice Christian. Now, actually, Jesus, you died on a cross for me. Your body was broken for me. You shed your blood for me. What's the hymn say? Well, the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. This is why we come and say thank you. Jesus, I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. I can't help, I can't help but thanking other people. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you you died on a cross for us. We want to thank you that you shed your life for us, your blood for us. We do want to come now with grateful, grateful hearts. At the end of this year, we're breaking this bread for the last time in 2017 and saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are and for what you've done. We take this cup and we say, thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for what you've done.